Hey guys, how you doing? This is Tevin from Testimonies for Christ. As always, it is an honor to be with you guys today. Uh, uh, I haven't had a video for you guys uh, in the past. Uh, I think it's been a week, two weeks, but I was because I had a video, um, a video and a podcast planned uh, with one of my friends. I was going to do his testimony, uh, but something came up uh, to where I couldn't get around to it. And I didn't really have um, a replacement because uh, he was just busy. He had stuff to do. Um, uh, priorities to tend to, uh, but I didn't really have a, a replacement, um, in order to, uh, to get something done. So, um, I had been pondering on the past, uh, couple of weeks, um, and days about, you know, specifically what I want to talk about and, you know, what type of topic and discussion that I believe that we should be having as believers, um, uh, um, or stuff that's just relevant to this time. Uh, you know, I have been having a lot of talks with my wife. Um, and we've been talking a lot about uh, just unity in the church. And if you guys haven't read my most recent blog and my uh, most recent podcast uh, is talking about the sovereignty of God and the freedom of man um, I, in that podcast and in that blog, I briefly at some point actually talk about the great division and the great divide that's actually going on in the church. Um, and it is uh, pretty I wouldn't say it's pretty massive, but I, I do believe that it's one of those quiet type of things that Christians just kind of don't talk about. Um, and it's because everybody is comfortable in their very inner spaces. And uh, with people being comfortable in their spaces, it kind of comes to this point. Uh, they do what they do. We do what we do. And we just move on um, in Christ, um, which is not necessarily a problem with that. You know, I had to come to grips a while ago and kind of realize that uh, cultural differences uh, amongst believers is one of the greatest things that provides the divide because some people just worship differently. Uh, some people uh, praise God differently. Of course, everything should be done within the confines and the correction of scripture. Uh, but, you know, people like different type of music. People like different styles of preaching. Uh, people like different ways of communicating the truth um, or just different styles of worship. You know, when you go to a country and, you know, uh, if you go to China or India or uh, maybe even Jerusalem and you meet Christians in all of these different countries, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that they're not over there singing soft rock uh type Christian music or contemporary Christian music uh, that we see here in America. And they're probably not even singing um, some of the, you know, gospel like songs with the organs and the different type of stuff that you see here in America in the black church. So, you know, everything is just diverse and different because I mean, people are raised up to do music and to, to, to live a certain way. And when they become in Christ, of course, they're made into a new creation. But a lot of times those things carry over because that's the way that people have always known to make music or that's the way that people have always known to speak or to communicate. Um, and, you know, a lot of times those things end up staying the same. And um, and I think that we do take on a different type of culture when we come in Christ in a different type of way of living. Uh, but I do believe that there are certain things that are just ingrained inside of us because of habitual practice over time. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, this unity in the separation in the church has become a big thing because, you know, one of the things that people uh, don't like to do is to leave their comfort zone and in you leaving your comfort zone, you are automatically putting yourself um, at a risk because you are technically have a fear that you will no longer be able to be what you are 
uh, without it being causing volatility, volatility within yourself. And I kind of find personally, <clears throat> I kind of find personally uh, that from personal experience, um, I've kind of seen that believers, you know, don't always prefer uncomfortable situations. Now, there are some believers that welcome it, but for the most part, you know, believers just want to live comfortable. I mean, to be honest with you enough, we're already battling and fighting against sin. Uh, we're battling and fighting against the flesh. Um, and then we're also battling worldly theology and the things of this world. Um, the last thing that most believers want to welcome into their life is to uh, battle uncomfortability. You know, people want to be comfortable in that. Um, and you, you do have very rarely to where there's a lot of brave souls that's willing to step out and make themselves uncomfortable and make the sacrifice in order to uh, show a sense of camaraderie, com camaraderie amongst their fellow brethren in Christ. Um, but the, one of the, the two biggest things that are outside of cultural differences, cause I do believe that that's just a given, um, the, one of the major things that I believe is causing the disunity and the separation of the church is, uh, theology. And, um, the more that I've been studying just different, uh, theological views, um, and I don't study theological views because I'm just in utter confusion. Um, I do it because I, I use it to help sharpen my own. Um, I study I study a lot of different type of theologies or various amounts of different theologies. And I want to say it's an adept study to where I'm like reading books and stuff. Uh, but I listen to sermons. I listen to um, uh, just different thoughts or ideologies that are different from my own. Um, and I don't have a fear of doing that uh, because in my mind, I want to be as close as possible to the scriptural revelation as I can. And uh, one way that you do move close as possible to the scriptural revelation as you can is that you really take into account um, other views with a humble and a meek spirit uh, mentally and in your heart. And you're not trying to preserve anything. You do it with the openness of heart uh, because you like I just want to I want to please God um, at the utmost. And I want the most feasible and coherent uh, explanation with what his word says. And, um, you know, one way you do that is to engage with other thoughts, to engage with other ways of thinking. And um, I have personally found that engaging with other thoughts and ways of thinking has helped to sharpen what I either already believe or has helped to change and reform um, what I uh, what I uh, thought I believe was true, but probably wasn't uh, just through further investigation of scripture. Uh, so I do believe that uh Theological differences are causing one of the greatest divides and separation in church that we are seeing in a very long time. And it's because a lot of times people don't like to hang out with people that think differently than them. Um, there are very few people that would be willing to do that. And I think it's really because of pride, really, if you want to be honest, uh, because when you look at the scripture, um, I believe that Paul uh, talks about being unified in Christ and praying that they all be unified as one and the Holy Spirit. And we also see him explaining the body of Christ as being like a, a body, like an actual body to where it has arms and legs and feet and all of these different type of things that adds into the work of ministry. Uh, but when we cut off uh, the, the fingers, because we believe that the fingers are insignificant, that they don't proper represent, properly represent Christ. Or we cut off the, the ear because we don't believe that the ear probably represents Christ. Uh, we are literally dismantling ourselves from the usefulness that we can have in ministering the gospel on a worldwide scale, uh, you know, in a worldwide scheme of things. Um, if you want to be honest, you know, I was talking to my wife about this 
uh, just I think it was just yesterday or the day before. And man, I was I was telling her, I was like, you know, I was thinking about uh, the I was thinking about the neighborhood that I grew up in. Um, I grew up in a very um, rough environment, very rough neighborhood. And, and for most people, it would be considered um, the hood type of area. You know, it's a lot of drug dealing. Um, and it was just a good amount of stuff that was going on that probably wasn't like uh, your peaceful suburban type of neighborhood. And, you know, I was telling her, like thinking about myself as a non-believer and how I used to be. And then thinking about the people that was around me, you know, I told her, I was like, you know, I don't really think that the the uh, some of the um, and it's nothing against, you know, white believers, of course, because uh, we we uh, the church that we go into now is a predominantly white church and it is very new for us and it's very different um and we're still getting used to a lot of things uh but you know it doesn't really bother us to really adjust to anything or to incorporate that because we're, we're probably used to it uh but you know in my encounters with a lot of the believers there um just on a small scale um you know i had told her i was like you know i don't really know that you know a lot of these uh people can really engage uh, with some of the people that I had, um, and it's not a knock against him. Um, it's just that, uh, you know, a lot of people were raised a certain way and they've only seen one side of the scale, uh, one side of the, um, the fence. And, um, you know, I told her, I was like, I don't really know that, you know, some of these people can really engage with the, um, with the people that I grew up around and, the environment that I grew up in. And I was really trying to picture it in my mind, not as a way of a knock, but it was more so a way of a just trying to see like, how can uh, these believers be effective in this environment? And it really brought to my understanding that not saying that it's not possible because I do believe that it is. And I have met people uh, that I do believe can easily bridge that gap without a problem. But then I've also met people that I'm not really so confident that can probably do that. And it's not their fault. It's just that they have only been shown a certain world. And even with, uh, you know, being in the black church and amongst black believers, they have only shown or been shown a certain world that some of them is very hard for them to bridge that gap with the white church and with white believers uh, because they do things differently and they praise and worship differently. And they think and approach the scripture from a sometimes a totally different perspective. Um, and sometimes it could be a little bit more on a liberal and uh, charismatic side. Not that that's necessarily bad, uh, but um, it could be used more so for life application rather than a true and meaningful context of scripture, which is what the author intended it to mean. Um, so uh, because of that, uh, it could breed a sense of a divide. And even when you talk about terminology and words, it could breed a sense of divide. Um, and it could breed a sense of uncomfortability uh, to where, you know, some believers say, hey, man, I don't really want to be around Christians that talk like that or use that because in their minds, they are believing that these believers are either going against the um, the the clearly taught scripture or that they are conjuring up their own type of theology uh, that is not necessarily directly in line with the Bible. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I believe that both sides sometimes hold those biases and think that way. Uh, but like I tell people often, man, I believe that even if the body is not necessarily uh, unified or if, even if the body is disunified, we should be able to have unity without dysfunction. 
And uh, if there was a point to where believers can come together, to fellowship together, to do life together, and to to just be as one whole body, which is the obvious uh, uh, wish of Christ, because um, he said that he wished, and oh, not wish, but he prays that the disciples be one as he and God is one. Um, like they're supposed to be bind together like glue. Uh, when you think about that, you know, you really, you don't have to lay down, uh, your bias. You just have to accommodate. Um, and I think that that is one of the biggest things, uh, or hiccups that I believe is causing the body of Christ into this age of disunification. Uh, because I'm going to be honest with you, man, a lot of the stuff that we see in the world um, and a lot of the stuff that we see just happening, just like in our country, um, in the United States of America, you know, a lot of it is due to just disunification. Uh, if the body of Christ was more unified, not only in prayer, uh, but we were unified in our communities, if we were unified in the way that we communicate with one another and if we were unified in our just fellowship amongst one another, you know, um, can you imagine the amount of impact that we would have in our local communities and in our world? It would be major. I mean, it would just be beautiful. Um, but the reason why we see a lot of hiccups and we see things not necessarily coming into fruition is because, you know, certain communities are afraid to come together to fellowship with one another. And it's all because of theological differences. Um, and it's very, very interesting to me. And I, I believe that the Lord had been putting this on my heart, man, because I'm going to be honest with you. I had to really ask myself, and this is for when I started to have bias against certain Christians because of the way that they believe or the way that they think or just just the way that they came off that was just different than mine's. And I had to really ask myself, and I feel like the Lord put this thought in my heart, uh, is that, you know, are they Christians? Yes or no. And when I really thought about it, I was like, wait a minute, these people are still believers. You know, the people that I cast off, that I write off or that I had been, you know, separated myself from because of the theological differences. You know, I had to still realize that they're Christians. They are still <laughs> a part of the body of Christ. And if they're still a part of the body of Christ, I can fellowship with them. I can kick it with them. Even if we don't agree the same, even if we don't believe or think the same, um, I still don't think that it causes for a sense of a divide to where we can't do life to with each other, you know, and, you know, even talking about this and thinking about it, it brings me back to my uh, when I was in college and, uh, you know, I, my roommates, we it was like five of us and, you know, in a small apartment and we was we was all believers. We was all close friends. Uh, I mean, best friends out there to say, cause we just did life together every single day. And I can honestly say like, uh, it was a very enjoyable and fun time. We're still close to this day. Even to this day, it was a very enjoyable and fun time, but then also too, as well, uh, we had theological differences while we lived together. Uh, and it was very, very odd because even in the midst of our theological differences, our theological discussions, and sometimes we'll be uh, you know, arguing and debating scripture all day long sometimes. And it was, it was all in fun and innocence. Cause it's not like we end up fighting each other because of it. Um, I, I believe that a lot of that helped to sharpen us all in our theology and sharpen us all in our faith and our positions because of those discussions. Uh, but 
the fact that we were doing life with each other on a day to day basis and uh, we disagreed in a lot of areas theologically, it never brought us to a point of dissension and disunity. Um, and it doesn't mean that we every everybody always got along. It just means that we were able to do life together and to be unified and to truly love one another. And I know if anything happened, uh, my boys had my back and vice versa. They know if anything happened, I had their back. And um, and even when we do did evangelism and uh, or preaching the gospel to people and different type of stuff, I don't I don't believe that we encountered times to where uh, we felt that those theological differences stopped us completely from ministering the gospel to a lost sinner, uh, which is ultimately the biggest goal in mind. It's not so much about your theological views, but it's about loving lost people um, and presenting them the gospel and praying and hoping that God saved their souls. Uh, so um, it's very interesting. But the reason that I'm, I'm mentioning this is because I truly do believe that believers that are in the body of Christ, especially in the times that we're in, should come to a point of unification in prayer, uh, that they should come to a point of being adamant about bridging that gap um, and being adamant about diversifying themselves. And the only way that you can diversify yourself and diversify the, the Christians that is around you is that you have to take risk. You have to take risk and you have to be transparent. And you have to be honest. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I prefer that if I'm dealing with my white brothers in Christ or Spanish brothers in Christ or Indian brothers in Christ, whatever they be, uh, brothers in Christ, above all, I would prefer that they be honest with me, even if it uh, offends me or hurts my feelings or even it bring even if it brings me to a point that it may be attacking an area that I've held so dear to that was culturally relevant for me and comfortable for me. Uh, but they let me know that, hey, man, I don't really see how this can come from the scripture. Or, I don't really see how this can come or this is the type of life that Christ was communicating. And as a believer, we should all welcome that. We should all welcome those differences. You know, the biggest issue that was going on in the New Testament is that the Jews were, uh, I wouldn't say the biggest issue, I'm sorry, but when it comes to coagulating two worlds together, the Jews and the Gentiles were usually in dissension with one another. And for the Gentiles, it wasn't really by choice. The Gentiles, uh, the ones that came to Christ, uh, they were relatively new, somewhat of a clean slate, clean slate. And you can pretty much instill Christian doctrine in them from a clean slate. But with the Jews, uh, they had a lot of baggage from their past coming because, you know, a lot of them still wanted to keep the works of the law and still do the things of the law because they saw the law as being godly, of course, which it is. Uh, but they also saw the law as being a means to bring about righteousness. And because of that, they had a great dissension and divide with the Gentiles because they didn't like the fact that certain people were able to live in liberty in Christ and that they didn't have to keep certain ornaments and certain, you know, sacraments and all of these uh, observing of holy days and genealogies and all that type of stuff. And it bothered them. And a lot of them used to uh, <laughs> creep into churches and or to try to stir up stuff in order to instill their theology. Uh, but one thing we have to remember that that was always abhorred in scripture. 
Um, you know, Paul, of course, used to always pray that above all that we all be unified in Christ. And even in, uh, in the scripture when he was talking to the Gentiles, he says, do not let any man uh, judge you in the keeping of holy days and uh, I mean, observance of genealogies and all this different type of stuff. And it doesn't mean that it's vain is good to to look at that stuff, but that stuff should not determine whether or not you are Christian. And um, that's when I think. Uh, that's what I think that we should be looking at as believers to really ask ourselves, are these people believers? And if they are believers, then we really should have a place of prayer and a place of restitution to approach this situation uh, with genuine repentance for our bias, uh, but then also to as well a means and an avenue by which we connect and bridge that gap between these two worlds. And for the black church, it would, it will have to take, cause I know the black church doesn't feel any obligation to diversify. Um, and it's kind of because their mind is whoever wants to come here, come here. Um, and black people don't really feel an obligation. I, I haven't personally seen to where they see felt an obligation to diversify. Uh, but I have seen it a little bit more in white churches and, um, uh, and almost every single white church that we've been to, um, in the past couple of years, um, almost most of them have had a, a great desire to diversify and to represent the communities that they are around. Um, and with the black and the white church and other churches, the way that you do that is that you need more people that don't look like you don't act like you and don't think like you in positions of leadership. Um, and not only in positions of leadership, but in positions of, uh, of serving and whatever it may be. You know, and it can't just be from the stuff that's relevant for their community, uh, but it has to be fully intertwined within the church um, and not only with the white church, but with the black church, too, as well. You have to incorporate more white brothers and white sisters in your church and in your body, and you have to accommodate their theological differences um, so that you all can have a cohesive um, and diverse relationship and experience with Christ. Um, and like I said before, everybody is not going to be the same. Um, uh, you know, uh, I didn't grow up and I told, I told a guy this once, but I believe it's very funny when I talk about it because it still even reminds me, I like contemporary Christian music, you know, Caleb type stuff. I also like gospel, uh, music, the stuff that I, when I first got saved, that's what I was so used to hearing. And I've been used to that sound my whole life. You know, I didn't grow up listening to like soft rock music and guitars and all that different type of stuff and the soft rock type of singing. And, you know, when you go to um, a white church, you know, for them, that is gospel Christian music. That's the way that you do it. Um, and I wouldn't say all of them think that way, but I'm just saying, it, I mean, in their mind, this is the way that we sing Christian music. This is the way that we worship God. But one of the main reasons why uh, that is the case is because the way that they have uh, been shown to do music their whole life and the sound that they have been shown to do music in their whole life has always been up or around those realms. Uh, so it's very normal for, you know, them to have guitars and the soft rock type of singing. Um, and when I say soft rock, I'm saying that because it most resembles that style of music. I'm not actually accusing them of being, you know, rock stars and stuff. But uh, when you go to a black church, it's very gospely, organly like me, organ like um, and a lot of pianos and, you know, bass guitars and just different type of stuff. And for them, because uh, you don't really see guitars and stuff in there. But for them, that's the way that they've been known to do music 
their whole life. Um, drums and stuff. I mean, and because of that, when they become Christians and come in Christ, people automatically take what they have already known uh, to be the way to do music. And they use that to worship God with, uh, which is perfectly fine. But if you are in a, in a, in a ministry to where it's different, you have to be able to understand that you have to accommodate that if you want to truly diversify and you have to bring yourself to a point of understanding the cultural differences of the people that uh, that you are trying to accommodate. And it doesn't mean you do everything that people want you to do, because uh, I don't really believe in that. I believe that as long as you're worshiping Christ, that's what really matters the most. Uh, but, you know, really ask yourself, because uh, I think uh, I think about with black people that only in black churches that only do gospel type music, but they want to diversify with more white people. You know, really ask yourself, you know, uh, as a black person, would you be comfortable if, you know, you went to a church and, you know, they all of their songs was hymns? Uh, and it's not as bad, not that it doesn't worship God, but it's not something that you're familiar with. And people just naturally attach to what they're familiar with. So, you know, would you feel comfortable if, I mean, if all they sung was hymns or if all they sung was, you know, worship songs with just a guitar or something, or if the way that they preached was very bland and very, uh, just monotone speaking, no inflection in the voice, no type of, uh, hooping and hollering and different type of stuff. Most black people that I know that are enveloped in black church, majority of them would be irate if they had that type of Christian experience. Um, and it's not a knock on Christ or the way that Christ is, uh, using people. It's just not what they're used to. And because it's not what they're used to, it'd be very hard for them to to adjust and to assimilate, to accept something like that. Um, and I believe it's the same way, vice versa. Like there's a lot of white brothers and sisters to where they're only used to doing church and serving Christ and doing things a certain way. And because of that, it's very difficult sometimes for them to accommodate other uh, ideas or ideologies um, and it could continue to further that divide. And I'm only using music because music is, I believe, provides the most, the largest disparity between those two worlds or those different worlds. Uh, but even with preaching styles, the preaching styles are very different. The way that people approach the word is very different. And even the type of messages that people approach it with and talk about are very different. I mean, I even noticed prayer <laughs> with uh, the two different groups are very different. Um, so it really takes... Uh, you know, some people willing that's willing to make a sacrifice and they say, hey, man, I'm willing to yield down, uh, not necessarily yield down, but I am willing to help bridge the gap by becoming a part of a world that I am not necessarily familiar with, but helping to make them more familiar with me and the background that I've came from and the people that I've been around. Um, now, mind you, all in all, I don't believe that any of this stuff is necessary to to preach the gospel or to win lost sinners, because regardless of any culture, ethnicity or color of your skin, the gospel will always stay the same. And it always had the same power. And the Bible makes it clear that the gospel is the power unto salvation. And that's what matters most. Uh, but I'm also talking about Christians living, existing and doing life with one another, you know, uh, and I believe that in order to do that and to truly be unified amongst all racial barriers, that there needs 
to be in attention to the detail and how we accommodate. It doesn't mean we assimilate. It doesn't mean that we lay down. It just means that we accommodate people that are different from us and that think different from us. Uh, so, you know, with that, I'll wrap it up. I didn't want this to be as long as the other ones because uh, I can just go on and on. Um, but, you know, just uh, when you are wrestling with theological differences amongst believers, just really ask yourself, like, are they still Christians? And if you can say that they're truly Christians, then a lot of that stuff is secondary. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think it's so much better to do life with other brothers and sisters, even if we discuss stuff that's different. But it's so much better to do life, to minister with these people, to live out the gospel with these people than it is to argue about our differences. And um, that's the one thing I just want to say, because I think it's very important. And a lot of times because of pride and because of arrogance um, and because of haughtiness and thinking, um, a lot of people would take on the tadpole syndrome. And of course, the idea behind that is that you have a huge head and a small heart. <laughs> so you have a huge head for theology and doctrine, but you have a small heart to actually love, care, and to be unified with people and the body of Christ. And if that is the case, uh, you should really re-examine your theology because your theology is supposed to lead you to love, um, to love your fellow man. Um, it's not supposed to lead you to despise, disdain, or to uh, not want to do life with him or to see him saved in Christ living holy and pure. Um, and if you don't believe me and you think about Paul, Paul was, he said that he wished above all that he himself even be accursed. Uh, so that his brother, his Jewish brothers will come to the faith. Um, and they even, to, you know, we see what Paul even reasoned with them. He said that Paul reasoned with them and tried to persuade them all the day, like all night, all day to try to persuade them of the gospel of Jesus Christ and reasoning with them. And he even said that he would give up himself in order to see them saved, uh, which is very, very interesting because to me, uh, not only outside of Christ, but I believe it, it provides a level of love and compassion for those who are lost and for those who are found to be unified as one in Jesus Christ and that people truly experience his glory, his splendor, his majesty and his saving power uh, that delivers us, set us free from sin. Um, and that's what matters most. So thank you guys for tuning in. That is all that I have for you guys today. Um, and for our next broadcast, I probably will be doing a little bit more topical type of stuff, but this one was not as technical as of course the other ones are, because I, I didn't really want to go to a bunch of scriptures and stuff. Although I mentioned them, it's just more, I wanted this to be more conversational, um, and more, uh, discussing the matter from a practical standpoint. So, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I pray that fundamentally that you submit yourself to Christ and also pray that you to submit yourself to the technical part too as well. Learn your scripture, but then also learn your scripture too as well so that it can better grow the love and compassion in your heart. I thank you guys. I hope that you enjoy and deuces.